0: You know, not as negative, but something that does bring us to where we are today. Uh, just look at the earmarks of the last days, the last days. And uh, again, I realize uh, we are December time, it is Christmas time, and, and I'm so thankful for that. I love Christmas time. I, uh, I love everything about it, to be honest with you. And um, But nevertheless, I think a good night, good Wednesday night Bible study uh, brings some of these. This is going to be a general overview of about the earmarks of the last days. Not only are we going to look at a pattern that is set, and that's primarily what we'll see this evening. We'll look at the validity, and I guess in a great way, even though it is uh, Christmas time, it does tie together. Because keep in mind, the virgin birth was was prophesied. It was something that was promised, and these are some of the points that we will go over tonight. So I'm going to ask you to open up tonight here in Genesis chapter 49. Genesis in chapter 49 is where we're going to be. And uh, one of the first things that we're going to look about tonight, about these earmarks of the last days, quite a few verses that we will uh, begin to address this evening. Um, I don't expect to be long tonight, but at the same time, uh, there will be quite a few uh, verses that we'll review. Many will be on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bible as well. Genesis 49 and in verse 1, the Bible says, "And, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. So the phrase, the last days, appears in the Bible eight times in eight separate verses. Uh, our opening text is the first time that we find it appearing in the Word of God. It's the first time that it is recorded. And, and essentially, with in, in Genesis 49, Jacob unleashes a barrage of statements of what his son's Uh, would become in the last days, what his descendants would become in the last days. So the first thing that we find here that I want us to to kind of hook into uh, the idea of the earmarks of the last days is that first and foremost, they are prophetical. They are prophetical. We need to believe that in our heart. Verse 2 in the very same chapter says, Gather yourselves together, and hear ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel... Your father. Now that's just the, the opening verse to what Jacob is getting ready to, I uh, hate to use the word land blast, but really and truly set in motion what is going to happen to uh, his sons and to their descendants and their tribes. We're not going to read all the verses. We'll, th- we'll finish up uh, with one of the last or the closing statements that Jacob has. But what you'll find within those verses, verses verse two with the introduction of Jacob, uh, in his statement, all the way down to verse 27, is you're going to find that Reuben shall not excel. Okay. You're going to see that Simeon and Levi are considered to be instruments of cruelty. Cursed is their anger, he says. Judah is a lion's whelp. Thy father's children shall bow to thee. Now, that is, a, again, a prophetic imagery of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes from the tribe of Judah, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, Issachar is a strong ass, couching, Dan shall judge his people, and, uh, is a, but he's a serpent by the way, Gad is a, considered a troop that shall overcome at the last, and Asher is a bread shall be fat, Nephtali uh, giveth goodly works, Joseph is a fruitful bow. And Benjamin, which is probably the worst one, if you'll look here in verse 27, uh, twenty-seven, somehow I turned uh, a couple pages over, we find that he's called a raving wolf. Verse 27 says, Benjamin shall uh, ra- raving a- as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. So the, the very first verse that we find that opens up um, with or the very first verse that the words last days appear um, is a prophetical viewpoint of the last days, a prophetical aspect of it. And that's one of the things that we need to understand about when we speak about the last days is that they have been prophesied, okay? Nothing has taken God by surprise. Uh, Everything that we need to know has been set in motion in the Word of God, Uh, has not given us any stretch of the imagination to where we could even remotely assign a day of the Lord Jesus Christ's return in the air. Uh, nothing even close. We can see the seasons. We can understand that we're getting closer and closer and closer, but a monkey that has a calendar can tell we're getting closer because we're getting, you know, time is moving forward. And uh, so yeah, we look at what's going on today and, and, and things that are culturally accepted in our let's just call it like it is culturally accepted in the churches today or so-called churches. You could not even imagine happening 30 years ago, much less 50 years ago, or 67. You could not even No one would have fathomed that you have to lay out rules and outlines of certain aspects within the local New Testament church that we do today. We, we, we almost have to have a, a paint-by-number book for people to understand what the Bible teaches and what we need to stand on as a body of believers. Who in the world would have thought that? 40 years ago i I have spent 30 years in reviewing uh constitutions and bylaws uh, for local new testament churches i have written multiple uh constitution and bylaws and some of the things that my pastor taught me pastor jim ellis i mean when i say that uh what that he put into our constitution and our bylaws uh in the church that i was saved in and then you know we took that and we employed that and we fine-tuned it in this and that in our first church and with the same bylaws the constitution we have here The things that were written in there, to me at at that young age and that fiery Christian, I thought, why in the world does that need to be in there? We're Christians. These are automatic things. But he had enough discernment to know there's going to come a day when you just got to spell it out and show where we stand on certain principles that are going to be culturally accepted. Things that he preached back in uh, the late 80s and the early 90s, guys, they're coming to fruition over the last 10 years. And I've watched these things happen before our very eyes. When people thought he was crazy, they thought he was a nut, they thought he was extreme. Man, listen, he, it's all happened. Everything that he said that was going to happen, and he gets it all from the Word of God. So what I'm saying is when you look at the earmarks of the last days, we need to understand those last days that we're living in right now. Number one, they're prophetical. The next two times uh, the word "last days" appears in the Bible are basically the same topic. It's in Isaiah two two and Micah chapter four verse one, and they're referring to the millennial kingdom. Uh, we won't go there uh, tonight. It's just t- topically not really ap- applicable for us this evening. But the other examples—you have those three examples there—the last days in the um, um, in the Old Testament. The other examples are found in the New Testament. And the first time that it shows up in the New Testament, it's concerning a promise. It's concerning a promise. So look over in Acts in chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2, and uh, in your Bible there, I'm not getting this to move, so let's see what fits in mind. Okay, so we're going to leave that be. Um, so Acts chapter 2 this evening, you'll have nothing on the screen tonight, uh, as we just had uh, the technical difficulties rear its ugly head again. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, Acts 2 and verse 17, this is what we find. Um, and the Bible says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will, pour out, um, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream Dream. So number so now that we see not only is it prophetical but there's a promise associated with it. the reference of Acts chapter 2 verse 7 is a reference coming from the book of Joel or the prophet Joel who was speaking of a time uh, which has no preset limit no matter how many uh, prophecies are in motion uh, but that's what he is referring to in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 17. So here the Lord is referring to the end of that time, the tribulation period is what the context is, but namely a period of when the Lord pours out His Spirit upon all flesh, meaning all flesh of His people and their appointed time of restoration. That is the restoration of the nation of Israel within the land of Israel upon the original land grant God Himself gave uh, to the people of Israel or those 12 tribes as we see. Who is Israel? Israel is Jacob. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes, okay? That's how we understand that. So we see that the, the last days are prophetical. We see the last days have a promise, a, term, a promise that's associated with them. And we also see in the last days that it possesses a power. Turn to Hebrews in chapter 1 with me. Hebrews in chapter 1. So Hebrews in chapter 1. Look at it in verse two, and the Bible says here hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Okay, so yet again, doctrinally, it's, uh, doctrinally speaking, it falls into uh, the categories of the promise. Okay, and this is a great study of when you when you study a. Uh, uh, when you study prophecy, you know, you've got to be very careful that you don't preoccupy your mind with to whom this is speaking of. But well, because we want to look at the remaining four places of the, uh, of the phrase last days, we do need to understand there is a power that is associated with that. So we want to clear Hebrews in chapter 1 and in verse 2 out of the way. So thirdly tonight, or the fourth thing I guess we should say, that the last days carries with it is prosperity, which I know in many ways... Uh, guys, uh, may not seem, may not seem uh, applicable to us, but, but that it is. Look in James in chapter 5 with me, James in chapter 5. When we look in James 5 and in verse 1, the Bible says here, it says, Go to now, you rich man, weep and howl for your miseries um, that shall come upon you. Your rich are are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver is cankered, and the rest of them that be a witness against you, shall eat, eat your flesh as it were a fire. Ye have heaped a treasure together for the last days. And so we find here that there is a prosperity that is associated. And even so, beloved, you know, it does not mean or make wealthy people or rich people um, wicked, okay? Don't think that. Riches are not the enemy. Uh, Money is not the enemy. Paul is very clear writing to Timothy. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil, not the money in and of itself. Money is nothing more but a tool, okay? We need to understand that. But we know that the last days, we have an earmark here that it carries prosperity along with it. And the last days bring such a weightier picture for the Christian of what to do with that wealth, how to apply it into your life. Are you laying up in store for the last days to extend your life on this earth? or are you putting that money to the work of, um, of the Lord Jesus Christ? So not only do we see prosperity and power and promise and a prophetical picture concerning uh, the last days, but guys, go to 2 Peter with me tonight, 2 Peter in chapter 3. Here's what we see, and this is really where we kind of get into the meat of, of some of the discussions just before church tonight. We see a pluralism that is associated with uh, the last days. Second Peter in chapter 3. A pluralism, okay? So 2 Peter in chapter 3, I'll give you a moment to get there tonight. In verse 3, the Bible says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, "...that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men." So Peter springboards here in chapter 3, verses 3-7... through uh, from Paul's letter, who, written in the spring of 58, AD 58, to the Roman Christians saying this in Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold, not, who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because uh, that which may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. We live in a world today where people think more of their animals than they do a human child. People will protect their animals. They will provide for animals. They will, listen, you'll get in more trouble tonight, okay, for doing something wrong to an animal than than leaving a child by himself. Do you understand? You know, we, we see an onslaught of where People, you know, children are being murdered left and right, left and right. I, I read an article today, and this is a this is a praise a praise report. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned in America, there's been an extra 32,000 births in the country. Hallelujah! That's called a victory. Amen. That's called a victory. But we live in a world today that the schools are we have a godless school system, anti Christians being taught, anti God by the devil himself, who exalt and lift up. Animals and birds and bees and sycamore trees and all of this and that. And it's a religion. Listen, environmentalism, guys, is an absolute religion. If you look at some of the writings of Lenin, when Lenin wrote with the the father of, uh, when you start talking about the father of of communism, he said that it would fall. Communism would fall and go underground, but it would rear its ugly head once again, or rear its head again. He didn't call it ugly. Rear its head again under the guise of the environmental world protecting the environment and that's what we're finding today look at the regulations that you were applied on in our country today which is nothing more than a scam all in the name of environment or environmentalism recycle this recycle that recycle this and then we ship it off to China or ship it off to another country and they dump it into the sea okay we've been in Guyana in South America and we've seen some of the absolute worst um they they they, they flush uh, the, the the um all the rubbish from the canals into the Atlantic Ocean. They flush it all, and where was it? It comes right back in there. I mean, so we've been in some of the countries with the absolute worst human rights history as well as the so-called uh, uh, you know, environmental history, and then yet we're going to these countries. We're, paying, we're the ones who are having to pay the price. You understand what I'm saying? They're lifting up animals. They're lifting up birds and bees. And, and just like P, uh, Paul says, and then Peter reemphasizes this in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, who says they've changed the glory uh, of the uncorruptible God in an image made like an incorruptible man into the birds and a four-footed beast. And a, that's not just those who are actually worshiping animals. It's not just uh, the Roman deities they worship. And then, you know, which is built upon the Greek deities. That's not just that, guys. That's exalting animals above the rights of humans. Do you understand? And that's just, it's a pluralistic view. And our society today has attempted to equalize all religious beliefs, meaning the teachings, the accepting, the condoning of pagan gods, of other religions, without, you know, without going into detail tonight of false beliefs, they want everything to be equal with God Almighty. I mean, if we were to sit here and and just, you know, the, the Pope wants to teach we all serve the same God. He came out and announced that uh, that Muslims are going to heaven. They're going to be eternally saved because they're monotheistic. He's not even monotheistic. Are you kidding me? I mean, they believe in, the, in, in Mary is the co redemptress unto salvation. They're not even monotheistic. Uh, uh, but they teach we all, we're not serving the same God, all right? This, the, the Bible that I have before me, the Word of God, is not the God that the Catholics serve, okay? It's not the God that Islam serves. It's not the God uh, that the humanists serve and the environmentalists serve. They serve the God of this world of which the gospel is hid and blinded to them because of the God of the world is, who is the devil, Amen. The Bible says here in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. If Jesus Christ is not God to you today and you believed on him for eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, if you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection and the Son of God came in the flesh, you are not saved and you are not going to heaven. It is that simple tonight. But it's also that simple to get saved. It's also that simple. There's not more than one way unto salvation, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But the last days are earmarked by a pluralistic view. Let's all just put our, let's all just coexist. It's amazing that you find anyone with this coexist bumper sticker on the back of their car are the same people that's going to curse you out and and tear you down for your beliefs. There's one book for the English speaking people, the Word of God, it's called the A V. 1 Corinthians 14 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Amen. I preached just here not long ago, a Sunday, and the past Sunday, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus or them that walk in the Spirit. What condemnation will we refer to? That's a temporal, fleshly condemnation, not eternal. Because the second half of that verse is not a conditional response for your eternal salvation. You are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works lest any man should boast. But the modern critical, uh, critical text people can't understand that verse, so they wipe the second part out, and they turn the condemnation of Romans 8, 1 into eternal condemnation, and it doesn't line up with anywhere in the Scripture. You have one book for you tonight. God's not trying to he's not going to confuse you, you understand. I've said this for uh, nearly 30 years now, the Bible is easy to understand. It's very easy. It is not complex. It may be difficult to believe at times for the uh, for for people. It be, it may be difficult to rationalize in your head how this spiritual creature with a scorpion tail and a lion's head and all these man how in the world do you man just believe it don't try to figure it out amen you've seen worse than that in Hollywood movies my soul man it shouldn't be hard for you to uh, you know get a picture of that thing Satan is not the morning star Jesus Christ is Revelation 22, 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Amen. And beloved, I'm I'm, I'm just, and I say all this with all all respect to everyone in the world tonight, things that are different are not the same. You, you, You can't worship any God and every God and end up in the same place. It doesn't work like that. Satan, or Lucifer, is known as the son of the morning. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou uh, cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nation? Amen. The Bible does not contradict itself. But you find that modern critics will take and call him the day star or the morning star. He's not the morning star. Jesus Christ is. Amen. He's the son of the morning. And you need to understand this. If he's the son of the morning, there had to be a morning before he was created. And I'll let that one sit with you tonight. Matter of fact, I'll add a little bit more to it. God looked at his creation, didn't he? He said, looked at it and he said it was all good, right? He looked at day one, he said "And it was good. He looked at day two, he didn't say anything. And then he looked at day three through, uh, through seven and said it was good. But he left, he, he left out saying the day was good on day two. What does that mean to me? I believe if Lucifer was the son of the morning. He was created on day one. There had to be a morning uh, for him to be created. Or he was created on day two, one of the two. But I'm going to tell you this. I think he fell on day two. Second day, amen. Less than 48 hours of creation of all things in the midst of it. And I think that's when he reared his ugly head. Okay? You know, not dogmatic about it, uh, but I'm just, I just believe this. Understand this, guys. Water doesn't save you. The Bible saves you. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, believing on Him, that's what saves you. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 and New York 38 says, And as they uh, went on their way, they came unto certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he he answered and said, "Uh, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Now, Philip had just got through reading Isaiah 53, witnessing salvation unto this eunuch. Speaking about through his stripes, we are healed. Witnessing the death, burial, and resurrection to this eunuch. And he knew about baptism, and he said, what hinders me to be baptized? You've got to believe first. All right? You've got to believe first. So salvation does not happen in a water pot. All right? Salvation happens when you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yet you got modern versions today that will take verse 37 out. You take verse 37 out and then, well, hey, see here in his water, what doth hinder if he be baptized? Oh, he just commanded that chair in the hall and they went down to baptize him. Nothing about believing whatsoever. Guys, listen, you know, I understand this may be an old argument for some people, maybe new for others. But guys, somewhere along the line, common sense has got to kick into gear. When common sense kicks into gear as to what changes and alterations and things that are moved are made, we have to understand fully tonight and go, wait a second, something's not. Something's wrong here. There's something that is not adding up. We need to understand that here tonight. I'm gonna say this, if you have a book, which is missing verse 37 of Acts 8, you need to get a new book. If you have a book which calls Satan... Uh, a name that is given to Jesus Christ, you need to get a new book. It's that simple. If you have a book tonight which refers to the fourth man in the flame and fire uh, with the Hebrew, Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter three, uh, if they call if they say one of the sons of God, you need to get a new book. Because Daniel three says the son of God. Amen. And you need to, it's just that simple tonight. That's how plurality has come into our society, and that's how it's eaten away of the foundation of faith. Uh, and the, the, the simple beliefs of faith and the holy inspired scriptures tonight. And it's been damaging our country and our villages and our towns and our cities and uh, right where we are right now for the last 70 years. And we wonder why we have a problem in the world today. Because we have a society of people who've turned their back on their creator and they've honored the creature more than the creator. Back to Romans chapter 1, says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, uh, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, even their women did change the natural use into their into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves the, that recompense of their error, which was mean. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That is the fruit, my friend, tonight, of pluralism in our society. That is the fruit this evening, when people take the word of God and they say, "Well, you know, we got the idea of God." A better word would be this. A more appropriate word would be X, Y, Z. That's when, when say we all worship the same God and we're all going to the same place. And I'm here to tell you tonight, we're not. Amen. We're not. There's only one way of eternal salvation. Pluralism is a toil, a, a, a tool of the devil, and it has taken over our society, it has taken over our homes, it has taken over our government, it has taken over our country, it has taken over our culture. And grave power. Lastly tonight, I ask you to turn to 2 Timothy the worst part about the last days believe it or not it's not the pluralism we find in society we already seen the prophetical aspect of the last days the promise and the power the pluralism you would think my friend would be the worst but when the last days are spoken of one cannot get away from the peril the peril second Timothy in chapter 3 Paul says this, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You know what the word perilous means? It means furious. It means dangerous. It means difficult. Now, just a quick question to you tonight as we sum up the message. Where was Paul when he was writing this letter? Anybody know? Yeah, This is his last letter. He's months or weeks away from having his head cut off on the road to Ostia. And he says perilous times shall come. One of the most corrupt emperors who ever lived, Nero, who actually took a 14-year-old boy and castrated him so that he would not lose his youthful age his useful looks, and converting him into a so-called woman to marry him was in world power at that time. Nero was a pervert to the nth degree, a pervert who deserved a wood chipper. And Paul says perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, furious times, difficult times shall come. I sit back and I think to myself, <laughs> wow! Really, shall come. See, that's the worst part about the last days. Is well, we look at a world that we're living in today, and perilous times are upon us. Uh, not near as perilous are they as they are going to be. Perilous times are here. You see, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt tonight that if. Certain governmental regimes were as vile and wicked and perilous as they were in Paul's day, and yet by the Holy Spirit of God inspired him to write, perilous times shall come, that we have rulers today worse than Nero. Worse than an individual that could do that to a young boy. It's pretty wicked to think about, isn't it? Merry Christmas, by the way. That's a good Christmas sermon for a Wednesday night. (laughs) But think about it for a second. We live in a world today, guys, where people will give, they don't give a second thought to exterminate a child because it may be an inconvenience to them, a burden on their society. We live in a land today where governments have legalized that, legal extermination of human life. We live in a world today where they say they're protecting a child by removing the authority of parents to discipline them in the godly and biblical way. If you love your child, you're not going to beat your child out of anger. You're not going to. You may spank them. You may discipline them in a biblical manner and then hug their neck and cry with them and tell them you love them and explain why and what happened. That you may do if you love them. But if you love your children, you're not going to beat them out of anger. I've raised four children. I can tell you I've never one time laid a hand on my child out of anger. I've had to stop myself once or twice. But... What I'm trying to say to you tonight, guys, is that we do live in dark days, and they're going to get darker. They're going to become perilous. But I come back thinking nearly 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing during a Roman regime, Roman Empire, whose some of the most vile things was common to them. And he says, by the Holy Spirit, they shall come. Look at verses 2 through 5. We'll finish up. It gives us these earmarks of the last days, saying, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Lovers of their own selves. Stop there for just a second. You ever hear the, these, you, you see these things today. This Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to be an influencer now. They want to get as many likes and followers and this and that as they can. And that's what's important to them. Lovers of their own selves. Men will leave their families and go make an excuse. Oh, I have a midlife crisis. It's not a midlife crisis. It's sin. It's wicked. It's vile. You know, and in all fairness, you need to be put in a rubber room with somebody with a bat. Amen. That's being a lover of your own selves. Go to the next verse. Covetous. Covetous. And I tell you what, I am a sucker, man, for some of these accounts online that has like a 69 Camaro. Oh, my soul. And that woman sends them to me. She's just as guilty as everybody. But she knows when I'm on that phone <laughs> looking, I go, oh, man. She goes, what would you see now? got to see this black carbon graphite 1969 Camaro. Oh, my soul, 327. Ooh, you know? But I out like looking at them. But I'm old enough now to be beyond the covetous aspect of it because I don't want the upkeep, nor can I afford it. You understand? Common sense has to kick in. But we live in a world today where the marketing agencies depend on the covetous covetous aspect of men and women to go out there and tear their family apart. Look at the next one here. Boasters. My soul, man. We could stay there for an hour. Proud. There's another one. Blasphemers We live in a world today to where the name of God has become just a byword or even a swear word. Disobedient to parents. In the youth club years back, I remember the school started teaching that uh, if their parents took anything away from them or you know said they could not do something, that they could call this particular number for child protective services we had youth that would come in and you you could tell they'd done something wrong or they felt like they did something wrong and and then finally the story would get out that they went home and they wasn't good in school that day they got in trouble and so mom and dad or mom had taken uh, uh, their iPhone away, their iPad away or one of their games away and they called Child Protective Services on them disobedient to parents I read a comment the other day. said that when I was growing up, there was two ways to die. Natural causes or talking back to your mom. (laughs) Next one here says uh, unthankful. I believe we live in one of the most unthankful generations I've ever seen in my life. Our generation has been trained and taught. They have been conditioned that everybody owes them anything. And I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't owed anything at all. If you want to eat, you go work for it. We raised our children. At any given time from the pulpit, I could have asked my boys, primarily because Bailey was too young at the time. She was but a baby. But I could ask any time from the pulpit. I said, boys, if you don't work, they say, you don't eat, Dad. And Daniel would have been at least maybe three years old, two years old. You don't eat, Dad. Did I mean, without hesitation. Unholy. The word holy means sanctified. It means set apart. I read another article two days ago concerning uh, infidelity. And this was written from a female perspective and women were bragging on how many times they've cheated on their partners or their husbands. Bragging about it. They thought it was something that it should be gloated over. You say, well, why do you say that? What does that have to do with being unholy? There are certain things in your life Better to be set apart, sanctified, saved. Because once you once you give it away, you're never going to get it back. Integrity is another one. You know, no one can take integrity from you; only you can give it away. Again, traitors. Uh, I, I think I skipped a whole verse. I did without natural affection. Verse three. Uh, we'll keep going, Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent. The word incontinent means un, in, the inability to control yourself. Fearists, despisers, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a f- form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, the Bible says, turn away. All of this is the marks of a generation, a nation, a people, uh, a period of time of which is linked to the last days, times of pride, times of unthankfulness, times of ungodliness, times of lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Beloved people that get up at at four and five o'clock in the morning to go and, and work out and they can't even make it to church on a Wednesday night. They can't squeeze it into their their busy schedule. Can't read their Bible. Can't pray. But they want God's blessing on their hands, don't they? It's the last days, man. It's an earmark of the last days. Well, just look around on the news today. The things that you hear about, the problems that are going on in the world, today, the legal issues, the governmental issues, the, uh, the political world, all the things that are happening. And I try not, listen, I don't dig and I don't, try, anything I know about the news is what popped up and I see and then I read it. But I don't, I don't get into that world very deeply anymore. I stick to this book right here. All over the world today, we're hearing about problems and we're hearing about issues and, and all this and that. And, and you may ask yourself why. Look at verses 12 and 13 here tonight with me. 12 and 13 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Beloved, evil men have always been there. The darkness has always been there, the the, the shadows have always been there. Uh, vile people, vile world, vile God, it's always been there. But the Bible has given us an earmark of the last days that that wickedness, that evil men are going to wax worse. That word wax means proceed or advance. It means to profit, to drive forward, to increase. So it is a earmark of the last days. The evil men are going to increase. Their deeds are going to get more wicked. Their acts more sinister. Their crimes more open. They're going to wax worse and worse. So what are we to do in the last days? We know it's here. We know the perilous times are before us. We see the promise and understand the power. We see the the prophecy. We see all those things. We're in the midst of pluralism in our society. Well, look in verse 14, and we're finished. Paul goes, he's already listed all of these things that are happening in the world. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. All we can do is continue in the truth of the word of God. Continue in serving the Lord in the manner that he has given us, the manner that he has bestowed upon us. Continue to serve in the time and the era that we're living in right now. Because God didn't wake up one morning and was shocked that he put Dav and Andy and, and BJ and Denise and Bailey and, 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 <clears throat> and Kelton and Tracy and Jason and Jess and, and Jan and, uh, you know, and Daveth and Kelly. I mean, he didn't just wake up and go, man, what was I thinking? Why did I, man? Why did I put them in that time frame? He put you here for a reason. And the same reason that Paul was telling Timothy, but continue thou in the things thou hast learned, is the same reason he tells us tonight, but continue. So yeah, these are the earmarks of the last days. And yes, beloved, we are in the midst of the last days. I don't know if we're in the middle of them. I don't know if we're on the the tail end of them. I don't know if we're just around the corner. I, I don't know that. I know we're in the last days. But I know I'm to continue in the things that I've learned and the things that I've been taught in the Word of God. Because I believe in all of my heart tonight, despite the darkness of this world and the evil men increasing and increasing, the light shines better in the dark. Will you bow your head tonight? Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be together this evening. I pray that you would give us guidance, grace, and mercy, forgive us where we have failed you, and lead us into the way that will bring honor and glory to your name. I do love you and thank you for all that you've done, for who and what you are. And pray now for your continual blessing and lead us into the manner, dear God, that will bring honor, glory, and praise to you in the midst of these last days, Father. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. I hope and pray that teaching and preaching of the Word of God is a blessing to your heart tonight.